0: Oh! Welcome uh, to our gathering. Uh, this, we call this the family gathering of Cultivate Church, so we're honored that you uh, chose to spend your morning with us. Uh, we're here really to, uh, to, to spend some time worshiping Jesus, getting to know who he is, uh, and, and then being equipped for Jesus' mission in everything that we do. So that's the reason that we gather here this morning. And if you're visiting with us, then welcome. It's an honor for, for us to have you uh, come and, and be a part of that. Um, we're We are doing a a series over the course of our summer called Invisible Made Visible. Um, And if you remember, what we're talking about here is that uh, John, when he begins his gospel to talk about Jesus Christ and who he is, he says this about him. He says, no one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God, that is Jesus, is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. And so what we're talking about through this whole series is how do we know God if we can't see Him? Well, we look at the person in the work of Jesus Christ, and in, that, in, in beholding Him, we get a clearer picture of who God is. And you, you may not realize this um, about yourself, but God's number one priority for you, do you know what that is? His number one priority, the reason He created you and the reason He saves you in Jesus, the reason He puts you into a church, His body is the people of God, All of that is all for one reason, and that is to transform you to look like His Son, Jesus. You may not realize that, but that is God's number one priority and plan for your life. And so in order for that to happen, you need to know what Jesus looks like in order to become like Him, right? And the cool thing that the Bible talks about when when it talks about this transformation process is that it says the more that we behold Him, The more that we spend our time gazing upon Him, looking at Him, understanding what He's like, the more we come to trust who He is, and the more we place our faith in Him, and then guess what? He comes and He does a work in us through His Spirit, and He actually does the work of making us look like Him. That's the cool part. It's not our effort that does it, but when we behold the the invisible made visible, Jesus Christ, God comes and He makes us look like His Son. And so that's a pretty cool thing. So we're spending the whole summer looking at different attributes of God and how those attributes kind of find their fulfillment, their fullness in Jesus. Um, and so there, there are going to be a number of metaphors that we look at that are used of God, and we're going to talk about you know, many of them over the summer. Um, but one of the, the, the one that we're going to look at today is the metaphor of God as being our rock. God is our rock. So let me ask you this as we, as we start out. You can give uh, responses back to me on this. What do you think of when you think of the word rock? Like what comes to mind? What's that? A rock. A rock. <laughs> Simple. Yep. <laughs> Got to love the straightforward approach, right? Solid. Solid. Hard. Uncomfortable. Hard. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Sturdy. Yeah, firm. unwavering, great, firm. Yeah, what else? Rock of Gibraltar. Yeah, do you ever see a, a picture of that thing? It just kind of like shoots up out of the the sea. This massive rock, right? It's not like a little pebble, but it's it has a firm foundation to it. It's it, it's immovable. It, and a lot of come. What, what's the company that uses that as their symbol to talk about? Prudential, right? And so th- they use this image of a rock to say hey we're going to be like this like in your life we're whatever that picture is of foundational firmness not going anywhere unchangeable. all that stuff like they're claiming that's their marketing strategy is to say we're going to do that for you right yeah what else anything else glass houses houses should not should not throw rocks is that what you're saying (laughs) those who live in glass houses yeah right. <laughs> I'm just diagnosing everyone, so I know where to go in the sermon. That's all. <laughs> Rock music. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Pam. Yeah, there's almost like a way to establish boundaries and borders, but also something good to build on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those kinds of rocks. The one that you put on on women's fingers, yeah. (laughs) Which in a sense should uh, communicate some of the very same things, right? That there is a foundational element to marriage. There's an unwaveringness. There is an impartability. Like all those things kind of come into picture even when you talk about that, right?
1: As well as the great
0: expense (laughs) that that comes with putting one of those things on on someone's finger, right? Well, we're going to talk about this word rock. I wanted to kind of prime your minds a little bit to, to think through it. Um, but I, I also want you to consider a couple questions as we're going through and talking about God as being our rock. Okay, because you, you guys have said um, firmness, foundation, there's a steadiness, there's, you know, strength, hardness to it. Um, and, and so I, I want, as we're, as we're talking about all those things as being a characteristic of who God is and particularly of how Jesus works in our lives... Um, I, I want you to consider a couple questions, okay? And so you don't need to say these out loud, but I, I want your mind to, to kind of linger on, on these, these things as we, as we go through this. One is this. What, what area of your life seems least secure today? What's the area of your life that just, it seems like it's not on a rock? If you were to describe it, you'd probably use more words like it's sitting on sand rather than on a firm foundation. It's just there's transientness to it. There's, you know, there, there, it doesn't feel secure. Or, or it may even feel like it's an area of your life where you're drowning, where you're in like way over your head and you're not sure how you're going to get yourself out of it. And so th- there may be a number of areas that you're thinking of, but I want you to think of one in particular that you're experiencing right now. Maybe in the area of finances, you're not sure how ends are going to meet and all those things. It may be in terms of your future and what steps are coming next and the future just doesn't seem clear to you. But whatever that is, I want you to keep that in mind as we read. And then secondly, um, what do you think will be the thing to make that area of your life more secure? So if you're experiencing an area of your life which isn't secure, what do you believe will be the thing which makes it more secure? And so if it's finances, you may be thinking, well, I just, if I work a little bit more, some extra hours, I'm going to get a little bit more in, and I'll, I'll you know, yeah, order the lottery, right? Um, which, which a lot of people do that. Um, what do you think will be the thing to save you out of that, okay? So there are a lot of places that we could turn to to look at God as being our rock. Um, and in the book of Psalms alone, God has called rock some 20 times. Uh, but one of the best places that I've found is in Psalm 18. And so we're going to turn there. It's on page 382 if you're going to read along in the Bibles that we have under the seats. But it's going to be Psalm 18, and we're going to read through the first 19 <laughs> verses. And it was written by a guy named David. And David uh, lived a pretty um, busy life, to, to say the least. And, and he's experiencing a situation in his life as he's writing this, where he is, he is in a lot of trouble. Okay, we're going to explain that a little bit as we go, but I want you to listen to this. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So a lot of the pictures that you just gave in terms of what a rock looks like to you. He's describing all those things as being about God. That's his proclamation of who God is. And so the next couple of verses are going to describe the situation that he was in which led him to describe that about God. And he says this, I call to the Lord who is worthy of my praise and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me, and in my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. and From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And so that's the the situation that he's experiencing, And, and what we're about to hear is God's response to his situation. Okay? So whatever was just in your mind in terms of the area that you feel like is less secure, I want you to hold that in the front of your mind as we read these verses. And, and here, do this with me, okay? Close your eyes as we read these, this next part because this is, this is describing God's immediate intervention into our situations which feel like they're completely out of control, okay? So let's close our eyes and, and listen to this. The earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountains shook They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and he came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky... Out of the brightness of His presence, clouds advanced and hailstorms and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot His arrow and scattered the enemies. Great bolts of lightning and routed them all. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. At the blast of breath from your nostrils, He reached down from on high and He took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. a great picture, isn't it? God's intervention into David's world when he's in the midst of feeling like he's utterly alone, utterly scattered, like there is no hope for him. I don't know if you realize this, but David, in his situation, he was on the run from this guy named Saul who was the king of Israel. And Saul was not too happy with David because God had come and anointed David to be the next king of Israel. And Saul, he wanted to continue to be the king of Israel and he didn't want to share his throne with David and he wanted his throne to pass on to his son and God had a different plan for the nation and so he had anointed or told David you're going to be next in line I'm going to do this and he even announced to the nation that, it, that David was his man and this made Saul incredibly angry and in his anger he decides to pursue David and say well if, if that's God's plan I'm going to thwart it by Killing David so that I'll be rid of him and then I can get on with my plan, and, and so David had to hide from Saul and be on the run constantly. And so what he would do over and over again is he would hide in the midst of mountains and caves, and he was always in fear that his life was about to end. Uh, and so this psalm is a, is a reflection of where David is in the midst of that trial, and he's calling out to God and he he's seeing God part. His circumstances and come in the midst of them and help him. And so there are two ways particularly that we're going to talk about today that that David describes God as being his rock when it felt like he was in need of security. And so if you feel like today you're in need of security, you're actually in good company. And God has a good word to say to you, I think. The first thing he says is this, is that God is our rock. And what he means is God is our rock, a firm place to stand. That God is a firm place to stand. In another one of David's psalms, when he's describing God, he talks about what it means for God to be this firm place to stand. And he says this, in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust In the Lord. And so the context for both of these Psalms is that David is in the midst of a situation where he is entirely over his head. So in Psalm 18, he feels like he's drowning. In Psalm 40, he feels like he's sinking in quicksand. But in both, he's saying, I'm in deep trouble here. Like, God, if you don't intervene in the midst of this, I'm toast. My enemies, they're out to get me. So I need a firm place to stand. I need something to do, to, to, to get me out of here. And so David cries out to God for his help. And did you hear God's response in Psalm 18? I don't know if you realize this, but w- when David was in the midst of his like, deepest, darkest thing, and he had enemies against him, and those enemies were, were in opposition to God's plan for David's life, God gets angry. Like, he gets righteously angry. He is ticked off. Do you hear that? Like, he, he doesn't just come down in a rainbow and go, I'm going to make everything fluffy and soft. He comes down with lightning and thunder. Right? I mean, the foundations of the earth are shaking at his word because he is so angry at David's situation and so, uh, so charged up to, to run into the midst of it and to save David from what he's experiencing. And the heavens part... And he flies down and he comes in his own presence to save him from his situation. So let me ask, in and, and the picture that I get, I don't know if you get this too, um, I remember as a kid uh, diving into pools and, and, and into like, lakes and stuff. There was one lake that was near our house. And as kids we would jump off a, a dock into the lake. And for some reason lake water is like, always darker than pool water you know what i'm saying and um and so it was easy to jump into it and you you know try to get at all these weird angles or dive in head first and you do all these flips underwater and i remember one time i did that and and suddenly i realized i don't know which way's up <laughs> you, know, you ever get underwater and you have that like sudden moment of panic where you go i don't know which way to go like i can't really see the direction to go nothing nothing is pulling me up and and eventually you you know figure out which way to to go. But I I think David is very much feeling that experience at this point. He's going, I'm in the midst of drowning. I I, I can't catch my breath and I have no idea which way to turn. So let me ask, what is that place for you that feels insecure? What is that area in your life where you feel like you're completely drowning, like you're in over your head? For me this week, I you know, I had my parents in town and we're preparing to go on vacation. There's a number of other things that we're in, involved in doing, a number of other things that I need to give leadership to. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself throughout this week, how am I going to get all this done? You know? Like, it just it feels like every time I start to get my head above water, there's another wave that comes through and, and pushes me back down again. And, and so often in life, it's, it's easy to feel that way, right? Like, there's just no air and then your stress level rises. I know a lot of you're experiencing this because I've seen on Facebook people like uh, with your kids having graduation parties, and that, that's like the most stressful time in a parent's life for like years, right? I mean, I remember like I think I gave my parents like 20 new gray hairs just in that one month period alone, between graduation and getting ready for a party and all, all the stuff that goes along with it. So where do you turn? Psalm 18 says that you and I, we can both cry out to God in the midst of our drowning. He comes in and he rescues us. I don't know if you realize that God both hears your cries and he intervenes in your circumstances to bring you rescue. Around here we call that good news, right? That should be good news. And so the question I want to ask you is, do you believe that good news? Do you really believe it? I I think if many of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, we might say, well, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I believe it. I want to believe it, but I, I don't know if I can believe it. I don't know if he is trustworthy. And maybe you've experienced a time in your life, an experience or a circumstance where you feel like you did cry out to God. You asked for help. God, come and intervene in these circumstances And you feel like one way or another, God let you down in the midst of it. I've felt that. So I know if if it's my experience, it's probably the experience of at least half of you here. Sometimes it can feel like we cry out to him to save us, but he didn't come through for us. And so now I'm not so sure I can trust him again. I don't know that he's my rock. And here's the thing that I've come to realize when we have those doubts in terms of our own experiences, I think what we're failing to see is that God always does have our best interest in mind. He always does. He's always doing a work in us, even when it doesn't seem good to us. And so sometimes we can reinterpret the situations of our life, and we can call them bad when God really is using them for good. And see, here's, I'll go back to what I said when we first began, that God is so committed to our good that He planned before the foundations of the earth were made that His primary objective for your life is that you would look like His perfect Son, Jesus. That process of beginning to look more and more like Him is called sanctification. It, it's, it's how God renews you from the inside out to make you look more and more like Him. And that is the best Plan He has for your life. It's better than any plan that you have for your life, just to be honest. If we were to put those two things up side by side, his wins every time. And, and I've had some real humdingers of plans for my life. I don't know about you. Um, and, and, and when I realized it afterwards and put those things up, my plan against his plan, his wins out every time. I go, God, thank you that you're so wise to, as to not allow me to sometimes execute the plan that I had for me but, but having a plan in, in my place. And see here's the thing. God is so committed to making that plan happen. That plan of making you look like Jesus. That he will use whatever circumstances are necessary to transform you. You. A, a sinful, rebellious person into his perfect son, Jesus. Including but not limited to pain. And sometimes we think of pain in our life as just something to be endured, something just to be bared through so that we can get on to the good parts of life, when oftentimes God uses those times, those periods in our life to make us look more and more and more like him. And we think, this is bad, it's bad. I just want to get out of this situation. And God's going, no, it's good, it's good. I'm using it to make you look like my son. Sometimes, though, it just feels ugly to us. But if that's God's agenda for you, then he has a plan to get you there too. And because of that, you can trust him in the moment that he's good. Because even though our circumstances may change, The truth is, God never does. He is the rock. He is the one who never changes. And I know even as I'm saying this, this is a hard, hard thing to say and to believe in the moment. It absolutely is. And when I think back on some of the trials that I've gone through in my life, it was really, really difficult, and I failed the majority of the time to say back to God, God, you are using this for good. You're using this for your glory. I believe you in the midst of it and yet we see that David, he's able to say this to God, right? He's able to cry out to God in the midst of this circumstance that does not seem secure, does not have a resolution as he's writing this down, and he's saying to God, you're my rock, you're going to be the one that saves me, I believe and I trust in you to the end. Where would David get this idea? Why would David, like, believe this? Well, it's probably because it's not the first time that God saved him. One of the first times that we're introduced to David and his story is when he's trotting out onto the midst of a battlefield to face a guy that's nine feet tall, right? I mean, so, and what is he armed with? What is his artillery? Yeah, not a rock, a pebble, right? Right? And so he's trotting out in the midst of the battlefield with slingshot in hand, facing an enemy that is inconquerable. And he's saying, the only way that I'm going to get through this situation, the only way this is going to turn out good, and I'm going to live to see another day, and Israel is going to, to move into victory, is God, if you show up and you do the work, you be for us, our rock, because this stone ain't going to do it. Right? Right? So I can move out onto the battlefield with a puny stone knowing that I move out onto the battlefield with a great big gigantic rock who never moves and never forsakes his people. And what happens? God comes through, doesn't he? He saves him, not just him, but he saves the nation through David. David is the Messiah. He is the anointed one sent into battle on behalf of Israel and and God does what he says he'll do, which is gain victory. Another way to put that would be to say that God is the rock of our salvation. And so how do we know that God will hear and respond to us? How do we know that He is trustworthy? Well, because if you're in Him, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He has already proven Himself to you through what He did for you. The truth is when we were drowning in sin and stuck in a life apart from Him, What do we do? We cry out to him, God, save us. And what was his response? He literally parted the heavens and came down in the form of his son to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve, to rise again on our behalf so that we could have life in him. And if you're in him, guess what? Today, that's where you are. You're in Christ, you're his. You're His son. You're His daughter. There is nothing that stands against you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're there. He's done it for you. It's a work that He completed and when He he was on the cross, He said, it is finished for you. See, if you know that He overcame sin and death on your behalf, then you know that God is the rock of your salvation because He is the only one that we can look to for salvation. That's why He's the rock. And so I would ask you to believe today that He doesn't just do that and He isn't just that for you in terms of your eternal salvation. He's that for you today for your salvation. In the midst of your circumstances that you're experiencing today, He is all of those things for you right now. And he's done everything necessary to prove himself to you. That he loves you and that he intervenes in your life. How much more does he have to do than to send his own son for you? That's why I ask if you believe it. Because if you believe that, then you can move into any circumstance and go, God, I know that this is hard. I know that this is difficult. But I also know that this is for good. You proved to me that you had my best interest in mind when you gave your best for me. See, the first thing that David means when he says this is, God is my rock, is that he is a firm place to stand. And I ask you, do you have that place to stand today? The second is this, is that God is our rock. He is a secure place to hide. He's not just a firm place to stand He's a secure place to hide. One of the things that David would do in order to escape his enemies is that he would hide in mountains and caves when he was on the run. And so as the armies and people pressed in on him, he would evade and escape them into the mountains because the mountains and 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 caves were very defensible places to hide. Like, this was before the age of grenades and TNT and bombs. And so if just try to get, like, 20 guys out of a cave that are well defended in there. It's really difficult to do. And so David, knowing this and being a great military strategist, he would retreat into the mountains and and he would look for these places that were often described as fortresses or strongholds. Easily defensible places to hide. And so listen to what David says when it comes to God and and his place in his life. He says this, O Lord, My strength. This is Psalm 18 again. My strength. The Lord is my rock. My what? My fortress. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. Do you get the imagery that David is talking about here? He's probably writing this by candlelight in a cave looking at the walls around him and going, God's a lot like this. And even though this place, it it may hide me, it may not, it it may be secure for me, it may fall, at any moment my enemies may rush through the door and rout me. But I know that God is a far better fortress than where I happen to find myself today. So let me ask, the second question is, it wasn't just what in your life feels insecure, but what do you believe will be the, the thing which saves you? It would have been real easy for David to look at, his, at the walls of his surroundings and go, this is a pretty good place to hide. I feel pretty safe in here. Who needs God? You know, like we got shields and we got spears and, and we've got a, a secure place to defend ourselves from. I, I don't know if I need God or not. He's not saying any of those things, right? He's in the midst of all those things, and he's saying, God, if you don't show up, if you're not my refuge, then this place is going to fall. And see, what happens is when we place our faith, our trust, our security in things which cannot stand, we end up experiencing the fruit of that decision. We end up experiencing fear and anxiety and worry and it's likely if you're experiencing those things when it comes to this area which feels like you're drowning, it's because you don't have God as your rock in that area. You're looking to something else for security. And it's lack of ability to provide what you need is causing you to fear the outcome of your circumstances. You're not finding your security in Him. And by the way, I'm, I'm as much preaching to myself here as I am to anybody in the room. Because this is something I really, really need to hear this week. But you need to know that God is the only rock because He's the only one in whom nothing is too difficult. David says in Psalm 27, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In other words, He is the mountain fortress in times of distress so that I don't need to be afraid of anyone or anything and if you were just to read, like, David's story without God as being involved in it, you'd be reading up to this point and going, that guy's got a lot to fear. <laughs> Probably a lot more than I do. I've never had people chase me down with spears and, and, and things to try to kill me. And, and will stop at nothing, even going into the mountains to find me. Right? It's like David and Osama bin Laden. Like I, I don't know if the rest of us can, like, claim a story like that, Right? And yet he's saying, I don't need to fear. So let me ask, where do you run when things get difficult? Where do you tend to go when your kids disobey you, when you're fighting with your spouse, when people are accusing you of things that are false? Where do you run to? Where do you hide? For me, I often tend to run to my family. And and I have a tendency to push the world out. And I know when it's happening because um, it, I, it usually happens around times when I feel like my reputation is being damaged. And because I know that my family loves me and accepts me for who I am regardless of my performance, I, I have a tendency to run to them to look for that security, to look for that hope, to, to feel like I'm wanted and accepted and loved. But even that can only go so far, right? Right? Because even, even the best of families, they're going to fail us. Even the best of people, even your, your most wonderful counselor, the one that you call up at 3 in the morning and say, I need help, I can't do this. There will come a day when that person will fail you too. It may not be their choice, but it will happen. Whatever it is that you tend to run to for security, I want to suggest this that the reason that you run to it instead of to God is because we don't fully believe that God is great. We don't really believe that God is all-powerful. We don't believe that nothing escapes His his notice and His ability to redeem and to use. And so often, the reason that, that I tend to run to other things besides Him is because I don't really believe that He's there, and I would rather run to something that I can control myself. I would rather look to something, anything, for security apart from Him because it's something that I can manipulate towards my own end. So think of what what it is that often makes you feel safe. Chances are it's probably something that you have some control over. If it's a friend, you can call him. If it's a substance, you can pick it up and use it. If it's a TV, you can turn it on, right? Right? You can manipulate it. You can control the outcome under your own power. It's visible, right? It's like David's cave. I can retreat into it because I know that I can have control over it. In other words, I'm going to put this a different way, we believe that God needs some help from us in order to provide the security that we need. We think He needs some help. God, I, I don't think you can do it on your own, and so I'm going to come in and I'm going to help you out a little bit. And I, I think it's, it's in our pride that wants to be in control of our lives so that once we get through it, if we can do it ourselves, if we can provide a little bit of a, an oomph to God to, to give it the kick that it needs, if we can be our own rock, then we can have our own say in terms of what happens to us. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is the same problem that we've been facing since our first parents decided to be their own rock, to get their own say so that they could replace God as the one who is at the center of their lives. Rather than trusting in him that he was going to provide every good thing, they, they trusted in themselves. And over and over and over again, we experience the fruit of that decision in our lives and we repeat the same choice for ourselves. That's the bad news. So what's the good news? How does Jesus fit into this as the image of the invisible God? How is he for us, a new picture of what it looks like to be the rock that we can trust in? In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says this about Israel and about Jesus, and he compares the two and and gives us a new picture. He says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. What he's saying there is Israel, when they were led out of Egypt, they were all led by this cloud into the desert, and they were all going through the, the sea, which was parted for their behalf, which God did for them. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all identified themselves with Moses and with God and said, we're going to be this people and go this way. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. What was the spiritual food? It was the manna that fell from heaven. The spiritual drink was when Moses struck the rock or spoke to the rock two times and, and it poured out water for the people because they were thirsty. But then he says this, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Isn't that weird? Did you realize that Jesus is a character in the Old Testament? In fact, he's everywhere in the Old Testament. That's what he says. He says... Don't read them as if if it's about something else. Read them as if it's about me because I'm everywhere. And so what Paul's saying is two times people drank from water from a rock when they were desperately thirsty in the desert. And, and, And what he's saying is the one who provided the nourishment, guess who it was? It was Jesus. He was there. He's always been there. He was the rock. He is the rock. He he is always there. He's always present. He's constantly present in their lives and overflowing with everything that they need. I hope you know this, but if you don't, please hear this, that in the same way, Jesus is the one who is always with you. He is always with you through His Spirit, and He is the only one that can meet your needs. He is the only provider, the only one that can give you the security that you need. He's the ever-present provider. And He is your security and your salvation. I think we know that. But do we realize it? Do you realize that He willingly laid down His life for you to provide for your greatest need before you were even born? And because He did that, you can have confidence that He's going to meet every other need in your life. Do you know that because he hung naked and ashamed on a cross to bear the weight of your sin so that you'd have a place to hide in him? So when someone comes against you and criticizes you, you can respond with love without becoming defensive because your security is not based on your reputation. It's based on what Christ has done for you. Do you know that because he overcame death for you, that he is the only one that cannot be overcome? So, if you're in him, you can also stand and you can say with Paul, Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? He's done everything necessary. And because he's done everything necessary, he comes to us and he says, I want you to make a choice. I want you to make a choice in the area that you're feeling insecure, in the area where you feel like you need salvation today, there are two kinds of people out there. There are going to be people who build their life on something other than me, and there are going to be people who build their life on the rock, who is me. Jesus gives a parable of two builders, and he says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on what? The rock. Who is the rock? Jesus the rain came down the streams rose the winds blew against that house yet it did not fall because it has its foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand the rains come down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash Jesus is saying there, there are only two places to turn when things come against us. There are only two places to stand. One is a firm foundation and one is not. When it comes to our lives, there is one place which will give us security, one place which is a good place to hide in, and, and every other place is not. And we know whether or not we're making the right choice because. When we do, we're coming to him and, and we're saying, Jesus, you get to say what's true of me. You get to set the agenda for my life. So as we close, I, I, I want you to consider this. If, is Jesus the one who, is, who has access to you to be able to set the agenda of your life? Is he the one who in the midst of this situation which you feel insecure, is able to come to you and say, I get to determine the outcome. Or are you still reserving the right to determine the outcome for yourself? So, chances are, and here's, here's how you know. What are you spending your life on? What are you spending your life doing in response to the situation that you're feeling? Because chances are, the answer to that question is the answer to the question, what do you believe will save you? See, For me, I, I feel like I'm up against a wall in terms of time. And so it's very easy for me to go, one, I either need to do more so I have more time, or two, I need to retreat and get away from everything so that I can I can create time. Right? And you get this picture of somebody... Who, who's constantly living for the break, right? Doing all they can in the midst of it, working their head off, never getting rest, and then when the weekend comes, they don't want to do anything because they feel like, I deserve it, I earned it, I need it. If I don't get it, I'm going to be a wreck, right? And, and my life has looked that way recently, just to be honest with you. Where are you spending your time Whatever that is, and wherever you are, I want to invite you to come to the table this morning, and whatever that insecure place is that you're feeling, I want you to picture that you're bringing it with you to the table here as, as we respond to God. Bringing it visibly, tangibly to the table in, in all the ways that you're trying to save yourself in the midst of that situation. Bring that to the table here today if you're willing. If you're not willing to bring that situation, then you're not willing to stand on Jesus as the rock and you should not come before the table. Just to be honest with you. But if you're willing, come bearing that thing. Come bearing that weight and all the things that you're trying to do to resolve it. Bring it down to the table here this morning and say, I am going to exchange this, Jesus. I'm going to give this to you in all the ways that I'm trying to save myself. And I'm, instead, I'm going to pick up your perfect body, which was broken for me, so that I know that I'll be restored. And I'm going to pick up the blood that you spilt on my behalf to forgive me of all the ways that I try to be my own rock, so that you can be the rock for me. I'm going to challenge you to do that today as we respond to God, but let's pray to Him first. Father, we do thank you that you are the rock. I know so often as your people, we can turn to so many other things. We can try to find our salvation in, in so many other places. This morning, we need a, a big picture of who you are, a rock of Gibraltar sized image of Jesus in our lives, who, who is the firm place to stand, who is the secure place to hide. Father, give us that picture so that we don't have to hope in ourselves. And I pray that as we come this morning, God, you'd bring great peace and grace to our lives. To know that you are that for us. That you will be that for us. So Lord, we trust in you right now. We ask that you come and that you'd intervene in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name.